Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be exploring the scriptures for the Epiphany of the Lord, January 2nd, 2022. Twice in the Garden of Gethsemane and once of Mary Magdalene, Jesus asked, who are you looking for? And uh, that is the question that these scriptures uh, for this week talk about. And it's one thing to say that Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to acknowledge him as Lord and King in the sense that the scriptures were written. Our modern minds reject the notion of anyone with absolute authority and power, yet this is who the Savior is. We are more like the Jewish leaders than the Magi. We are so busy with daily life that we fail to recognize the one who is in our midst and treat him as he deserves to be treated. With that, let's look at the uh, first reading, which is from the the book of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, What we'll see over the next several weeks is that the Isaiah is quoted frequently because we're still talking about the prophecies of who the Messiah is supposed to be. It begins out with, rise up in splendor, Jerusalem, your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. That reminds me so much of Psalm 80, uh, where verses 3, 7, and 19 in the RSV Second Catholic Edition say, Restore us, O Lord of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. So it's the light has come, the light of Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so when we, when we are looking at the face of Jesus, we are, when we are in his life, light, we are, have the opportunity to be saved. Now, Isaiah goes on to say, See, darkness covers the earth and thick, thick clouds the peoples, but upon you the Lord shines. All we have to do is look around our world today and see that, that there's a lot of darkness in the world today. And thick clouds are covering the eyes and the minds of the peoples, even some of the people who claim to be God's people. But what we are supposed to do is live in the light as he is in the light. And he is the light. And so if we're in that light, this darkness doesn't have to cloud our thinking. It doesn't have to cloud our way of dealing with our problems and with our God or with our life in general. And it says, nations shall walk by your light and kings by your shining radiance. In Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is, he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. We're the light. So we are to be reflecting that light of Christ. And I've mentioned this many times. We are to be reflecting that light. We are to be the light of the world because Jesus is shining on us. And we're to have our reflectors polished so that we can reflect that light to the world around us and perhaps beyond there. Uh, Isaiah 9.2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shine. So this is the, the Messiah is supposed to be this light that clears up the darkness, the gloom, the, all the things that are happening that are very difficult for people and bad for people. So that's what we're talking about here. And, and it's saying that, that the nations, again, it's talking about that it's not just for the Jews. It's for all the world to see the light of Christ. And, and, but, and it's not just for the folks who claim to be Christian. 
It's for all the people, all the people of the world, even those who have rejected Christ, who don't know him. We're to be that light that attracts them to the light so that they can live in that light. Then it goes on to say, raise your eyes and look about. They gather, they all gather and come to you, your sons from afar and your daughters in the arms of their nurses. Again, this is talking about the return from the captivity in Babylon. That's the immediate thing. But let's take a look at a couple of other verses. In Exodus, it's the glory of God settled on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called out to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So God manifested himself in that cloud. And if you remember correctly, Moses came down from the mountain and his face was shining with the radiance of God because he'd spent time with God, with the light. And he radiated light and he had to put this veil over his face so that people would not be frightened by his appearance. Then again, we see that at the very end of time, Revelation tells us in Revelation 21, 24, by its light shall the nations walk and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. So into God's glory, everybody is supposed to come at the end of time. What, what, let's look at uh, uh, Baruch, Isaiah 49, 22, pardon me. Uh, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples, and they shall bring your sons in their bosom and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Again, this idea that God's people will return. Those of you who have have children or grandchildren or relatives who have drifted from the faith and have rejected the faith, God is saying that even they can be brought back and that we don't, we don't need to lose heart with that. Let's look now at Baruch chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Arise, O Jerusalem, stand up upon the height and look toward the east and see your children gathered from the west and the east at the word of the Holy One, rejoicing that God has remembered them, for they went forth from you on foot, led away by their enemies, but God will bring them back to you, carried in glory as on a royal throne. We had this uh, passage uh, during Advent. So, Again, God is saying he's going to bring his people back to him. Uh, and we need to we need to claim that that promise that God has made. And we may need to pray that it be fulfilled in our lifetime. OK, so then it says, then you shall be radiant at what you see. Your heart shall throb and overflow for the. OK, so it's talking about the light that just like Moses, when we were in God's light, we are supposed to be radiant. For the riches of the sea shall be emptied before you. The wealth of the nations shall be brought to you. Caravans of camels shall fill you. Dromedaries from Midian and Ephah. All of Sheba shall come bearing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of the Lord. This is an immediate prophecy of what we will see when we get to the gospel about the, the coming of the Magi to the Christ child. So, so the Psalm 72 verse 10 and 11 says, May the kings of Tarshish and the isles render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all the nations serve him. Again, Tarshish, if we, if you remember when we talked about the book of Jonah, Tarshish was considered, was on the Atlantic side of what would be today Spain. So it was considered the end of the earth. And Sheba, uh, I believe, is uh, Ethiopia and Seba is in Arabia. 
So it's saying that all these kings are going to bring their wealth to him, to him. The note on Isaiah 60 verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 60, uh, note B in the New Jerusalem Bible says, the riches of the sea come by Phoenician and Greek ships from the west, the riches of the east and of Egypt come by caravans across the deserts of Syria and Sinai, Median, Ephah, and Sheba are peoples of Arabia. Okay, I stand correct. Sheba is in Arabia. So it's saying that God's all people are, are going to come and bring gifts to God as a result of what's going to be happening. Uh, let's take a look at the gospel now. The gospel is one that's very famous, and it's one that we... Uh, we have a lot of songs about, and we see that the kings come. Now, that the uh, the typical, the historic date of the Epiphany is a is the sixth of January. It's the twelfth day of Christmas, uh, and it's been transferred to the Sunday more for the convenience of the of the faithful than anything else. So let's look at this Matthew two chapter chapter two verses one through twelve. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, we'll, we'll stop there for right now. I'm going to read several notes in the New Jerusalem Bible. Uh, note 2a says, in chapter 1, Matthew introduced the person of Jesus, son of David and son of God. Now in chapter 2, he gives a foretaste of his mission to offer sal salvation to the Gentiles, whose wise men are attracted to the light. And we really we we live in his own person the suffering undergone by his people, the first exile in G Egypt, the second captivity, the humble return of the little remnant, the midrashic stories in which events of Jesus' infancy are recounted in terms which recall the infancy of Moses. Use events to teach what Luke teaches by means of the prophetic words of Simeon. See Luke chapter two verses third verse thirty four. So. What we have here is that it's saying in this one that this is all fits into the total picture of Scripture. Note 2b talks about Herod. It says Herod, about 5 or 4 B.C. is the time frame that this note says that, that this took place. It says Herod was king of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria from 37 to 4 B.C. And then look finally at note C. Uh, says a story of this kind demands that the term be left vague, general, the prime place of origin of wise astrology, such as these wise men. So it's talking about the wise men from the east. Uh, some scripture scholars think that they were from Babylon. They were Chaldeans. Others think that they may have been from Arabia. But what we see is they are foreigners. They are Gentiles coming. They see the star in the sky, and we'll get to that in a minute, <clears throat> they see the star in the sky, recognize the light, know that this light is something that is, is an event that is of, of great importance. Then they follow that light to find out what the event is. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, we, we, where is the newborn king of the Jews? That's an interesting thing to ask the king. Herod, do you have a new son? Or is there another, another young child that's going to be king? We have seen, we saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. Oh. 
Jeremiah 23, 5 tells us, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. He shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So we see that Jesus is, that this new king that these wise men are looking for is a descendant of David to fulfill the promise to David that he would have descended, sit upon his throne forever. Uh, again, we can look at Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice, heart and soul, daughter of Zion. Shout for joy, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king is approaching. He is vindicated and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt of a foal of a donkey. Now, this is talking about the Messiah, that the, the donkey was the, the ride of peace, the horse was the ride of war. And this recalls not only the fact that Jesus is the king, but it recalls or prophesies the fact that he is going to ride on a donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday before he is killed on the cross, before he dies on the cross. And remember when John, when John, uh, in John's gospel, John chapter three, where Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, he talks about the son of man being lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the, in the desert. That lifting up is for all to see and to glorify and praise. And Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And, and that is looking at the snake, the serpent took away the illness. Look, looking upon the crucifix, upon Jesus hanging on the cross is what takes away our sins, the sickness of sin. All right, so we have come to do him homage. Uh, let's look again at Numbers chapter 24, verses 17 and 18. I see him, but now behold him, not near, a star shall come forth from J out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down the sons of Seth. Edom shall be dispossessed, Seir also, uh, his enemies shall be dispossessed while Israel does valiantly. And the, the uh, note F in the New Jerusalem Bible for Jeremiah 24 says, in the ancient Middle East, a star signified a God and consequently a deified king. See also Isaiah 14, 12. Here the word refers to the Davidic dynasty from which the Messiah was to come. Uh, so we've got so much here that is uh, available to us to uh, to hear what's going on. And see, now, now let's look at Herod's reaction. It says, when Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod saw, since he, he knew this didn't apply to him or any of his descendants, he saw that this was going to be a usurper who would displace him from his throne. There would be a coup or a, a revolution and he would be there. The Jewish leaders saw this as something where it would disrupt their harmony with Rome and Rome would come and crush them. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Uh, where was that? Where was that? And in note D says, all these scribes are also called doctors of the law. Their function was to interpret the scriptures, especially the law of Moses, to draw out of it the rules of conduct for Jewish life. The role gained them prestige and influence among the people. Their numbers were drawn primarily, but not exclusively, from the Pharisees. With the high priests and the elders, they constituted the great Sanhedrin. Okay, so let's 
so the, he's controlling the, the wise people, the people considered wise in the kingdom at that time. And we can go to John chapter 1, verse 49, when Jesus called Nathaniel, and we see that this he was recognized already that early in his, his ministry. He saw Nathaniel under the fig tree and told Nathaniel uh, about that. Uh, and Nathaniel answered him, this is John 1, 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. So we see early in John that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy that to someone to sit on David's throne. Okay, and they, they inquired him, where the Christ of you? They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for this has been written of you, the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And this is from Micah 1.5. And this, this was a re- the first reading for the fourth Sunday of Advent. We just finished reading uh, this last week. So what does that mean to us? What does that mean to us? It means that Jesus is there. Do you recognize him as king yourself? Then Herod's called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. Now, the star's appearance would have been, when would the star would have appeared? When the infant was born, when this new king of the Jews was born. So he's a crafty, he's a very devious and crafty man. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the cry, child, when you have found him, bring me word that I too may go do him homage. Yeah, right, with a sword. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded him until it stopped over the place where the child was. So this star disappeared for them somewhere along the way, uh, and they didn't see it, and they went to where they thought they could get the information. They were using human wisdom to try to find out where this was, and they played right into Herod's hands when they did that. But as soon as they had done this, the star reappeared. So Perhaps what we can see there is it was all in God's plan that they would not see the star for a while, and then they would see it again. After, okay, after, uh, to the place for the child. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Overjoyed at seeing, so they rejoiced because they again saw this star that was going to direct them to this newborn king, this king that that they didn't know about, but they saw his star. So what we see here is that even in secular wisdom, people can get information that will tell them about God if they're willing to be open to it and to act upon it. And these three magi from the east came and acted upon what they saw. In, in nature, they saw this star, and in their own way, they understood that the star had a very important meaning, and they followed that star. Now, they prostrated themselves and did, uh, did him homage. Okay, so they, they are coming down, and they're recognizing him as king. These, prop, these may have been kings themselves. They were at least important people in their own particular culture, and they're doing homage. They're saying that, that they are subservient. They are humbling themselves before this child whom they don't know. And, and remember, this child was in a very humble circumstances, whether Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were still in the, uh, the cave that was the stable or not is not clear. However, it, most of the time we pre- 
picture that they come in that stable. And so he's there, but regardless whether they were in a stable or whether they found a place to live at that time, it's not clear and it's not really necessary to know. We know that it was a very humble circumstances. So they came to, to the poorest part of town and they found this child and its mother and they recognized him as a king. They opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's look at note F in the New Jerusalem Bible. It says, the wealth and perfumes of Arabia. The fathers see them as the, in them symbols of royalty, the gold, divinity, incense, passion, myrrh. The adoration of the Magi fulfills the prophecies of homage, the homage paid by the nations of God of, uh, to the God of Israel which were accepted as messianic. The res- this recognition of the Messiah by the Gentiles stands in contrast to the rejection of the Jew- by the Jews in the person of Herod. Now, remember, Herod wasn't a full Jew. He was an Edomian. Uh, he was probably half Jew. So the, these, these people, these, these magi, these important people, are coming to Jesus, and they are presenting him with gifts that you would give t- to someone who was a king, a god, somebody who was going to suffer. Myrrh was one of the things that people were uh, uh, used when somebody died to be buried. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Now that's, it, that's interesting, uh, isn't it, uh, that they would do that. So they, this recalls in chapter one and later on, and after this in chapter two, we see that Joseph was told in a dream to do something. In chapter one, he was told to take Mary into his house. And in chapter two, he was told to flee to e- into Egypt to avoid Herod killing uh, the baby Jesus. And then he was told in a dream to come back because Herod, the king who wanted to kill Jesus, was dead and his son was on the throne. And then he found out which son it was and he decided to go to, to Galilee to get out of his control. This obedience to God speaking to them, these these foreigners, these Gentiles, these non-Jews knew when God was speaking to them. They knew what the dream meant and they acted on it. Question for us is, do we understand where we are and what God is telling us to do? Let's look at the second reading and we may not get through all of it, but we're going to try. And it's from Ephesians 3, chapter 2, verses 3, chapter 2, verses 2 and the first part of 3 and 5 and 6. Brothers and sisters, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given me for your benefit. Now notice this grace that Paul was given was not for his own benefit, but for the benefit of the people with whom he would interface. Uh, And that grace was given him when he was knocked off of his horse. Colossians 1.25 says, this this ministry of which I became a minister according to the divine office, which was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Note B in Ephesians 3 talks about, uh, look at Colossians, 2 Corinthians 2, 1 and 7. The immediate reference is to what was Paul was revealed to on the roadway to Damascus. God chose Paul for reasons unknown to anybody, but Paul, and not even to Paul, really. God uses people uh, despite themselves. God used the Magi who probably weren't really aware that they were doing God's will and what they did. Paul went to, to Damascus to kill Christians. God intervened in his life in a very profound way, knocked him off his 
horse and made him blind. Uh, because Paul had been blind to the true spirituality that was God's. He was very much aware of the spirituality and the wisdom that came out of the religious leaders in, in uh, Jerusalem. He was trained under one of the finest rabbis that there was, the finest one who could train him. So he understood all those things. It was not made to, known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Listen, Jews, it's, this is not an exclusive club. God wants all of his people in his kingdom. He's, he's, he's telling us the same thing. Our, our, our Christianity is not an exclusive club. Whether you're, I'm talking primarily to Catholics here, but I don't care what your denomination is. It's not an exclusive club. God wants all of his people to be one, to be his people, be, come back to his children. We're all prodigal sons, and we're called re repeatedly to come back to, to God, regardless of where we are in our religious experience, whether we have one or we don't have. And we, we may have to be revealed to us that what, we, what we've been thinking all along isn't the truth, and God needs to come to us and show us the truth. Uh, the, the responsorial psalm is from Psalm 72, and we hear this frequently uh, uh, during this time of year. And it says, and it, the response today is from verse 11, and it's, it summarizes what the readings are saying here. Lord, every nation on earth will adore you. And there's going to come a time, at least at the end of the world, where everybody will have to recognize Jesus is Lord. Everybody will have to recognize him as king of the universe. Everybody will have to adore him, whether they want it or not. And this other one that we have, this first verse here, verses one and two, O God, with your judgment, endow the king, and with your justice, the king's son. God did that for his son. With that, I am going to call it a day today. Uh, I think that this is... We're, next week we'll be doing the baptism of the Lord, so that it's that transition week between Christmas time and ordinary time. Uh, I'm going to read from John chapter one verse seven. It says, "If we in the light, if we are in the this is First John chapter one to seven, if we are in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin." Let us all walk in the light of Jesus Christ. If we see in it in the distance as the Magi did, let us pursue it until we find it. God bless you. Have a great week and hope to be with you again next week.